Okay, I am recording. I'm good to go. All right. Hello, and welcome to The Download with SAP. I'm Babatunde Ojo. On each episode, we're going to sit down with an SAP customer, a very special kind of SAP customer. You might even call them super adopters. Basically, people who have solved real problems thanks to SAP solutions. We're going to have real conversations with real customers because, let's be honest, adopting a new solution can be hard. We'll hear about the good stuff. With each project that we do, we're able to prove and show the value of the work that we are doing. The challenging stuff. And then all of a sudden you get all these people going, whoa, 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 this is going to be a lot of work to implement. Even some unexpected stuff. I can categorically say that no one has ever given me that answer to that question before. So that is outstanding. But the point is, we will learn stuff as well. In the end, that is the whole point of this show, to give people the tools they need to use their SAP solutions to the fullest and help them become even more successful in their jobs. So let's get to the download. For this very first episode, we are gonna talk about success factors, SAP's human experience management suite. So simply put, an HR solution basically, but there is nothing basic about it. And I can say that with authority, being a solution adoption advisor for success factors myself. Here's how I would typically describe it to you. It's a human experience management platform, a solution that allows our customers to manage the full end-to-end, hire-to-retire process all in one place. So when we decided to talk success factors, I knew the perfect person for the conversation. My name is Haley Fuller, and I am the Director of Strategic Communications and Change for the Division of People Strategy, Equity and Culture at the University of Toronto. That sounds like a very, very fancy and important job title. So U of T is often referred to as Harvard North of Canada. We are one of Canada's biggest institutions. We're the biggest research institution and our scale is really quite mind-boggling. We have fluctuating between 150 to 180,000 people on our three campuses at all times. We have a $3 billion budget a year, and I'm like, that's like a small nation. We have world-class scientists. We have everything from social scientists doing outreach in homeless encampments to scientists in labs who are working to put drones on Mars and we need to help them put together the software that they need uh, to attract the right candidate. So when we're implementing um, a recruiting system through success factors, it really resonates with me that I'm not just implementing a recruiting system, like I'm helping the person who's putting a drone on Mars because they're going to be able to hire the person that they need to hire um, to build the little robot in their little shop. Clearly, I'm not a scientist, but I find that really cool to be able to just connect what it is that I'm doing with that bigger picture of the cool stuff other people are doing. Okay, so I'd like to start off by hearing about what started your transition to success factors in the first place. Can you talk about what it was that prompted you to implement this totally new system? People kept uh, bringing forward 
all of these issues that were preventing them from doing the job that they had as efficiently as they could. So that really for us was the first catalyst of, hey, we need to be looking at something a little bit different here because our users are saying, we hate this and it's not letting me do my job. It's taking me so much time. Well, that sounds like a total nightmare, if I'm honest. That sounds really problematic for the whole of the University of Toronto. But the system was also causing a lot of problems for the candidates themselves, I think. You had to create a whole team of people just to help candidates apply for jobs at the University of Toronto, which sounds really difficult. Yes, we were talking internally to say, do any other companies have a customer service team just to help people apply to our jobs? Like there must be something wrong with us. Like it can't be this hard. These are like highly educated, smart people who are applying to their jobs. It's gotta be us, not them. And that's really when we started looking at building out user journeys so we could understand what we needed in a platform to fix some of those pain points for both our recruiters and for our candidates, our end users. Um, so we had a lot of sort of motivation. We had a lot of momentum. We had people who were committed to wanting to make a change. And I will say, you know, everyone talks about wanting to make a change, wanting something new. You use that momentum to say like, hey, we're going to do something new. And then all of a sudden you get all these Googling, whoa, 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 this is going to be a lot of work to implement. Um, what do you mean we have to do all this work to do it? I thought it was just going to happen magically. That's such a, a valid and really, really pertinent point that you, you mentioned there, because, you know, I have a lot of conversations with customers, you know, on a, on a day to day basis. And there is a willing to want to change and improve things. But the change management aspect is where a lot of customers really struggle. And in particular, trying to get like, you know, the, the senior management bought into what you're trying to do. So like you get to senior management who then have to sign stuff off and they're like, whoa, hang on a minute what are you doing? This isn't the right time. You know, we haven't got budget, et cetera, et cetera. So it'd be interesting to hear from you or maybe to elaborate on the point, how you got all of your senior leaders on board in terms of change management and maybe some of the key learnings that you, you took out of it as well, going through that process. We established a PLG structure. So project leadership group where we had not only leaders in IT and HR, but people from across the university who had a lot of influence and who were champions for changes like this. And at one point we were having these PLG meetings weekly throughout the project. And we would go down to as many details as we have a bug on this screen that's causing this issue and we want you to know about it. Most of them were a lot higher level than that and talking about where we were, talking about the type of training we were doing. But we found that by really keeping people informed and quite frankly, bragging about what we were doing and how great it was going. Uh, we were really able to sort of keep ourselves on track, steering forward with people on board. And that came from learnings from previous projects where we didn't do that. And you might get six or eight months down the line, you come to the leaders with a nice shiny project and they're like, this isn't what we asked for. We don't like it, get out of here. Um, so some tough lessons learned that left to that method and it takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of energy, but it's worth it for sure. The fact that you were able to get from point A to point B by doing all of those steps, you know, it, it's great to hear because, you know, I, I love a good sort of transformation story in that sense. One thing though that, you know, so you, you, you've got your project plans, you've got your project leadership group and you've got this whole change management thing going on and, it, and it's really good. 
how do you then, when you get to your end users, convince them what you're doing is the right thing and to get them bought into the whole initiative too? Getting in front of the end users was just as challenging, but in a different way than getting in front of leaders. The benefits of getting in front of leaders is they have established tables that you can go and harass them with, with a decentralized environment like U of T with so many different end users, so many different employee groups, so many different people to talk to. It can be quite challenging to keep people on board. So in the before times, as I call it, pre-pandemic, I did a lot of walking around campus and going to our other two campuses with my team. So we would be doing road shows at every standing business officer meeting, administrator meeting. I would just cold call people and say, hey, I heard you have a meeting next week on Thursday. Can we come talk to you about our new recruiting platform? And when we got there, we would have sort of handout shiny materials that we would give people. We would have decks that outline why, once again, going back to the why, why are we doing this? Uh, what are the benefits going to be for you when it's done? And importantly, how are we gonna support you through this transition? What is this gonna look like for you in your job? How are you going to be impacted? And how are we gonna support you through that? So we had a lot of those pieces. Um, that became much easier to do, ironically, once the pandemic happened, because overnight U of T went completely online. Yeah, I mean, that changed everything, didn't it? But it really is just amazing, frankly, the sheer amount of work that you and your team were doing to, to tell the entire university that this big change was coming. That is a lot of communication. But I did want to hear specifically about your network of super users. As I understand it, that was one of the single most effective things that you did in this implementation process, these super users. So I'd love to hear more about that. So we did ask each divisional HR office to send us one person who would sort of be their super user, their person who understood the system deeply, but also bring forward issues, concerns, ideas, things that they were excited about. And we would have a two hour session with them every month for the eight months leading up to the launch. We would use it as an opportunity to validate things, but also just hear what they're hearing and bring send them away with fun activities to do with their own clients to get them excited about the process. So it seems like a little bit of overkill, but we were constantly running these activities, talking to people, going out because everyone is so busy. We didn't want them to forget that this was happening. And I think I can say successfully that we annoyed people enough that everybody knew that this was happening and knew exactly what was going on because we would not leave them alone about it. But people, but people were pretty enthusiastic at the same time. The amount of effort and time and you know commitment that, that you and your colleagues have put into this and to get to sort of the point where you are and, and that whole change management piece, it's really a great story. Kudos to you and your colleagues. I mean, it's, it, it, it's great to hear. Looking backwards, is there anything as a kind of lesson that you would perhaps would have done differently if you were going to do it again? Or maybe what was the biggest learn, you know, and the biggest lesson that you learned through the whole kind of process? I think the biggest lesson I learned through the whole process really was around making people see and understand the why behind what we were doing. It wasn't good enough to just say, because this is better and because you asked for it. <laughs> 
we had to actually show people why this is going to make their life better. And for us, that meant showing in very tangible terms, here's what you're doing right now. This is exactly what it's going to look like when we launch. And it's going to result in X number of hours of savings for you. It's going to make it easier for these people. And until we really hit on that why that resonated with people, we were getting that resistance around I know we were complaining about this, but this is so much work to implement a new thing. We're all busy. We have clients. We don't have time to learn a new system. Um, Really making it practical for people and showing how is this going to impact you on a personal level in your day-to-day work and why is it going to be better is what we kept going back to. And you customize that for your different audiences. It's going to be different for a recruiter than it is for a person who's applying to a job to a person who's chairing a hiring committee. So you just have to hit on whatever that right truthful messaging is and present it in a way that it resonates with people. And that took a few hits for us to get on what that right messaging was. But once we did, it made everything a whole lot easier. The other thing that I would say I would want to do differently was around the a lot of the training that we did when we went to launch. We put hours and hours and hours of effort into making these videos Um, that were beautiful and worked really well and had step-by-step things. And then the system was so easy that no one uses them. Um, So so, uh, I think like we launched a year ago and one of our videos has like 58 views and I look at it every day and I'm like, 59, I'm the one. When I talk to customers about adoption, success factors as a platform and as a product has so many different things that it can do for so many different customers. However, it's about understanding what the real need is to ensure that the right things are put in front of you so that it makes it simple to consume and simple to really utilize. So that's a really interesting, you know, kind of lesson from that perspective in terms of understanding what the end users need to help them adopt and consume that particular thing or product short, medium and long term, right? And so to that point with your end users, what's the feedback been like from them since you've gone live over the last year or so? The feedback from applicants has been very positive so far. Our career site is really easy to use. And when we ask people for feedback after they sort of go through the whole process, The number one feature that people talk about is the interview scheduling sort of automated feature where they can just go in and select a time. And I would say that's probably one of our recruiters' favorite features too, where you're not having to call each person and give them a slot and see how it works. People can just sort of self-select. So people do seem really happy with a lot of just those fun, small touches that make it a really nice platform to use. In terms of adoption, it's been so popular at U of T that additional employee groups want to start posting their jobs on this platform that never wanted to be on our previous platform. Wow. Okay. So I think we'd call that a success. That is great. But I think that this is a real departure for you all. Is that right? You you hadn't made change management itself such a huge focus before. When I first started doing this work in about 2014, we had historically not been doing this type of work. So we would launch a new product at U of T and no one would use it. I think we once launched a org chart software that when we decommissioned it four years later, literally eight users were using and no one else was using it. 
because we didn't do the change management work that would then ensure adoption. People didn't know it existed. They didn't know how to use it. So we really took that to heart. I think this particular project is really proving the need and place for formal change management and having that responsibility sit with a person and a group rather than someone doing it off the side of their desk. And with each project that we do, we're able to prove and show the value of the work that we are doing and why it is important to engage end users from the very beginning of a process, why user journeys matter, why change readiness assessments matter. We're not just doing this for fun. We're doing it because it gives us information that we can use to ensure a successful launch and having people actually adopt products. So for me, that really has shifted my role from what was a very traditional communications role to now spending most of my time on change management and transformation activities with some communications off the side of my desk. So it really has been sort of a, a flop for me, which I really enjoy and really love. So it's been a great place to learn and grow from that perspective. And I'm excited to see what future projects we have in store. Amazing. Thank you for that. That's, that's so, so cool to hear. Before I let you go, okay, I'm, we're going to flip the script a little bit and just uh, get into a little bit of fun just to close out, okay? So I'm going to ask you a few quick fire questions. Nothing too tasking. You just have to give me the first answer that comes to mind and we'll go from there. So you ready? I am. I'm terrible at lightning rounds, so we'll see how this goes. <laughs> okay, cool. I'll start off really, really simple. All right. What's your favorite color? Purple. Uh, favorite holiday destination? Anywhere with a beach. Nice. Um, if you were going to have a superpower, what would it be? Mind reading, for sure. Oh, okay. Um, most famous person you've ever met? Dolph Lundgren, who I was once a PA for on one day on a set on a shoot when I was an intern in a previous life. <laughs> Amazing. Did you get him to do the famous Rocky line? I did, of course. <laughs> yes, that is so good. <laughs> <laughs> and final question is that if you weren't doing the job you're doing today, what would be your preferred career choice? I always joke that I was meant to be a woman who lunches. Um, but ironically, I actually think my preferred career choice would be as a funeral home director, um, because it combines my sort of love of supporting people with change management in a different way. And at the same time, you know, it's consistent work. I can categorically say that no one has ever given me that answer to that question before. So that is outstanding. Hayley, thank you very much for your time. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. You've been listening to The Download with SAP. I've been talking with Hayley Fuller all about her implementation of success factors at the University of Toronto. That's it for me today, your host, Babatunde Ojo, and we'll see you next time. And from all of us at SAP, thanks for listening.